When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I've got an update on my health and some advice for others, specifically us as guys, in terms of what we need to do to take better care of ourselves. Also, this weekend is the unofficial start of summer. I'm going to tell you how prices on gasoline, your air conditioning, what you're going to be facing this summer, what you need to know about what summer and energy costs are going to do to your wallet. So if you're not aware, longtime listeners are, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer 14 and a half years ago. I had early stage, relatively minor prostate cancer. And I elected to do something at that time that was very unusual in the United States called active surveillance, where instead of having surgery or radiation or anything like that, I've been in a program now for 14 and a half years called active surveillance, where I have continual testing now once a year to make sure that my cancer is still doing A-OK, not threatening in any way. And here I am, nearly 15 years in, and I was just at UCLA Medical Center where I go for my active surveillance, and I had an MRI that is fairly, type of MRI that's fairly rare in the United States, very common overseas, where they're able to figure out down to the individual cell, essentially, what cancer you have and the nature of of those cells and you spend a long time in the machine used to be an hour and 15 minutes now it's about 55 minutes as they've refined this and I got a clean bill of health not that I don't have cancer but that I have no dangerous cells that are in any way a threat to my health or my life well when I almost 15 years ago found out that I had prostate cancer there was really no such thing in the United States is active surveillance. It was very rare at a very small number of research-based medical centers. Everybody else just got treated, surgery or radiation or whatever, and there are a lot of ugly side effects with it. Well, now 60% of men diagnosed with early-stage prostate cancer are now doing active surveillance like I'm doing. Uh, the other 40% who have early-stage should consider it so that they don't have to go through radiation or surgery or whatever. You know, when you are diagnosed with prostate cancer and you have a biopsy for it, the pathologist can grade and does grade the cancer. Not like you're used to where with so many cancers, they grade them from stage one to stage four. There's a specialized system 
for prostate cancer is called a Gleason score. And the Gleason score is a clear indicator of whether someone has a relatively minor prostate cancer, which about somewhere close to 40% of men, as best can be determined, will never have a need for treatment ever. It's figuring out who that 40% is. And today's technologies are not clear enough at who those people are. So the Gleason score gives a very important indicator. And so just because you hear you have prostate cancer, it doesn't mean that you have to rush out right away and do something radical to it. It depends on what you got. And the Gleason score is the greatest indicator. The Prostate Cancer Foundation, which I used to be on the board of for years, PCF.org, has information if a family member or you yourself are diagnosed with prostate cancer, you're able to understand all the terminology and the decisions that you need to make. And remember, doctors vary in opinions. It is your life. It is your body. And that's why it's so important when you get any diagnosis of an illness, if it's a major one that involves choices you have to make that you read medical journals, not who knows what website, but medical journals, you go to get second opinions, maybe third opinions, that you don't just take the word of whoever you're standing in front of. Yes, he or she as an oncologist or a urologist spent many, many years studying. It's really hard to get through medical school. It's really hard to get the advanced education, but they're really busy. And all of us as professionals, we get stuck in our ways and our habits. And so it's up to you to be your own advocate with any medical situation. And in my life, it's made an enormous difference not having to go through a treatment regimen that was not needed at least these first nearly 15 years. And you know what? If the time comes that it is needed, I'll get the treatment that is best at that time for me if I need to. One thing don't do is what most men do is ignore their health. Gosh, there was a new report recently showing the rates of the most typically most serious widespread skin cancer, melanoma, how it's overwhelmingly a male disease. Overwhelmingly. Because guys are like, what, me worry? Guys are not good at protecting their skin from the sun with clothing. They're not good at protecting it with sunscreen. And when something goes wrong, there may be something suspicious on your body. Men don't go to the doctor in many cases till it's too late. And you look at the fatality rates, they're so high. So I want you to think about what I'm saying here. On the one hand, I'm talking about disease management with the second leading cause of cancer death in men, prostate cancer. And so I'm giving this mixed message that prostate cancer, most common cancer that hits men, second leading cause of cancer death of men. And when you find out you have it, you just don't have to rush right into treatment because you got to know what you have. And so that's confusing for me to say that. And then with the melanoma say, hey, by the way, men ignore it and then they die. Each cancer has its own thing about it. The important thing is that you stay on top of it. You know, I would not have been a candidate for active surveillance with prostate cancer 
if I didn't stay on my game, if I didn't follow the protocol, if I didn't have the testing that I have had to have over these nearly 15 years on a regular schedule. So managing your own health and doing things that can help keep you out of trouble, i.e. wearing protective clothing. My oldest brother has melanoma, and he believes he got it fighting in the Vietnam War. Who knows? But he has it. And so he wears protective clothing. He wears these big, big, big hats when he's out and about to protect himself from the sun. And he goes for his checkups as required. And he is in active disease management of his melanoma. So it's not necessarily a life sentence, even in a case where you get it, as long as you do what you're required to do by the dermatologist to stay on top of your health. There's no reason that with a common disease like skin cancer, that men die at a much higher rate than women. It is the choices we make that would help prevent it. And then the choices we make when we don't do the follow-up, when we do have it, that makes the difference. And, And men live a shorter lifespan than women, even though there's not the huge difference between the work activities today that men and women do, and still men have a much shorter lifespan. And I would allege that overwhelmingly, it's because of the things I'm talking about right now, ignoring your health with what can be deadly, tragic consequences. Now, Krista, that was not the happiest thing well, to talk about, but you know, men ignore their health, men won't talk about it. You leave behind grieving loved ones. That's why you got to pay attention to this. Yeah, we all definitely need to be on it when it comes to healthcare. It's amazing how hard it can be to navigate. So. And by the way, I should have said, and I apologize, I did not say, I am so grateful to all the people who have prayed for me, have been thinking about me all through the years. The thing that I hope that I've been able to do by being so public about my cancer over these nearly 15 years is to try to get people to be their own advocate and to pay attention. Totally. And I think you've been... Nobody has to say that to women. I don't know why women are like so Some women now, I mean, women need to know too, we all have to be our own advocates. It's a tough system to navigate too. You've done a great job with it for sure. Let's go to questions. This one's from Margaret in Virginia. You recently discussed title insurance and title lock insurance, and that was very interesting. But I've paid off the mortgage on my home. Should I get title insurance to avoid being scammed? I don't think my county has a notification system for any changes to my title. So we're talking about two different things here. So title insurance is something that shows that you had clear rights to buy the property and the structure of the house that sits on it when you bought the house and it protects you from a claim that could come at any time, but usually fairly early in ownership, saying that you don't have clear and marketable title to your property. If you've owned it long enough, you've paid off your home and all that, the odds of that happening very low. But when you do buy a home, you're required when you have a mortgage like you had that you've now paid off, you were required to have lender's title insurance that protected the mortgage company. But only if at your option and you paid a little extra money would you have what's known as simultaneous issue or owner's title insurance that protects 
your equity, your money, and when you pay it off in full like you have, the title to your property that you're good. Even if somebody ever successfully challenged your title saying you didn't get a clear deed, you didn't get clear ownership, the title insurance pays off all your money for that house. Very rare occurrence. The other thing is title lock, which is where they're trying to protect you. It's almost like an alert service from somebody trying to steal your house with forged documents or steal the value of your house. Now, we've talked to five different real estate attorneys and got a unanimous answer from them. And there was no group think because we talked to each of them individually. They didn't know each other. And we got a unanimous reading that it was not worth it to pay for a subscription for one of these policies that alert you when somebody's trying to take out a loan against the home or something like that. The times that this is happening have been pretty clear. It's happening when a house is vacant, when a house is owned by a quite elderly person. Maybe that individual has moved into assisted living. The crooks that engage in this are looking for houses that are looking sad, yards not taken care of, gutters falling off the side, that kind of thing. They're not going after people that are typically actively living in their homes because you'll know pretty quickly from weird mail that will show up at the house that there's a risk to you. So I would say based on having talked to these experts in industry that I would not pay for one of those subscriptions that alert you to possible criminal activity going against your title. Kristen George says, my wife and I recently reviewed our cashback credit cards to make sure we were using them for the right categories. I was surprised to see that my around 10-year-old card that only pays 1% did not win out in any category, including everyday spending. I'd like to close this card and replace with something more productive like the Amazon Prime card. However, it being my oldest line of credit, I'm worried what effect it would have on my credit score. Technically, my oldest credit line is my student loans that have since been paid off. Congratulations for that. My second oldest credit line is another card I've had for around seven years. Do I have enough history on this other card to be able to close the 10-year-old card to not affect my credit score, which is excellent? Okay, so you didn't say this old card has any annual fee on it. If it doesn't, I don't want you to close it. I want you to leave that line open and use it occasionally. Uh, very sparingly, keep that card active. You want to have multiple lines of credit. In your case, you take a victory and you're turning it into a bit of a defeat if you can this card if it has no annual fee. You want to get another card, you want to get a different one, uh, you want to get an Amazon card, whatever it is, get another card, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't get rid of a card that's worked well for you over the years, fits in your credit mix. One of the things that's a minor factor with your credit is the age of your accounts. But the bigger factor and why you would want to leave this account open is available credit. The more available credit you have, the better. The more it boosts your credit score. So get another card. But if you do get that other card, keep the old one. The only time you even consider closing an old card. There are two. One is what's called a junk card, which is a store-only card, one that's only good at one particular store. No major logo on it like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover. 
It's only good at a particular store. Those are garbage cards. If you want to close one of those, fine. The other case is when a card has an annual fee, you may want to close it. But even with that, here's an example. So let's say you have an American Express card and you can't justify the big annual fee you're paying on that Amex card. There are now so many American Express cards that don't have an annual fee. So you can just exchange the one with an annual fee with American Express for another one that doesn't have an annual fee. And think those ways don't reduce the amount of available credit you have because that will hurt you. So do you call, in that case, call Amex and ask them to do it or you just apply for the card and then close the other one? So uh, we'll talk about Amex specifically. American Express, even if your credit's frozen, Well, since they have access to your credit as an active card member all the time, you can go on Amex and see what else is available. And you can either talk to someone there or you can apply right on the website for a replacement that has no annual fee. We think because the brand on that card is the brand on that card, that that's the only card of that brand we can have. But you look at the big issuers of cards, uh, Chase, Citi, Capital One, and American Express, I think, are the four giants of the credit card business. I don't know if I'm missing anybody. They have broad card lines. They have so many choices from cards that have potentially big annual fees to many, many cards with no annual fees, many with great rewards built into them. So you just migrate within their system instead of dumping the card you have in their system. Coming up ahead... What can you expect for your wallet from air conditioning this summer and gasoline for your vehicle? We're going to talk about what energy is going to do to your wallet over the next three months. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The headlines you see are always scary and almost always negative news. Negative news is what becomes news. So when something positive happens, we don't pay that much attention. And I wanted to tell you, for this summer, there's a lot of positive news for your wallet. Number one, let's talk about gasoline because we're moving into the peak of gasoline use during the summer driving season. And I'm looking at the trends, and it's so fantastic. The price of oil that then translates into what you pay for gasoline is so favorable and so different than it looked like it would be three months ago. It's why predicting the price of energy in anything other than a relatively short period, like a few months, becomes so hazardous. But you look at the price of oil over the last year, and the price of oil has fallen by 40 plus percent. In turn, that means during the time of year when what you pay for gasoline normally goes up and up and up, gasoline usually peaks the second week of July and then starts trending back down. This year, the prices will trend down 
leading into the 4th of July, almost certainly almost everywhere in the United States. Now, all bets would be off if some crazy, unexpected event happens in the world, some war, whatever, or a big turn in the Russian invasion of Ukraine can lead to higher prices again. But the trends for oil, in turn, what you pay for gasoline or diesel, are so favorable looking through the summer, and that's great news. Gosh, you go back a year ago, it's crazy the difference in the price of oil from a year ago. Price of a barrel of oil a year ago, $122. Today, 70 That's a huge difference in what then translates into what you'll pay per gallon of gas. And the good price news has been going on for a while, but accelerated recently, again, at a time of year that usually goes the other way, and particularly the conspiring of Saudi Arabia and Russia to try to hurt much of the rest of the world by price-fixing oil failed. And I think that surprised people in energy markets that that conspiracy of Saudi Arabia and Russia to hurt the rest of the world did fail such good news for our wallets. But wait, I'm not done. I got more great news. After Russia invaded Ukraine, the cost of natural gas, which is the most important source of energy for homes, retail, and industry, the cost of natural gas went crazy high after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And since then, the price defying all expectations of experts in the natural gas industry, the price of natural gas has gone down and down and down and down. In fact, compared to just, gosh, about eight months ago, natural gas was four times the price, four times the price that it is now at wholesale. Why would you care what it is at wholesale? Because most electricity in the United States is generated in most places in the United States from natural gas, number one source of the energy provided to us through electricity to our homes and businesses, schools, factories, blah, 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 is natural gas, number one source. And so most power providers, the cost of the actual energy itself is a direct pass through, good or bad, and in between to you and me and our electricity bills. So this is wonderful news, and it means that the cost of cooling your home in most states around the country and most jurisdictions within a state are going to be much more favorable for your wallet than they were a year ago. There are exceptions. There are states that don't allow the free market to rule in the energy markets. It's a corrupt process with a monopoly power provider, and the politicians bought off by those utilities, come up with power prices that are really ridiculously high. And it's unfortunate when the free market is not allowed to do its thing because there are times the free market will punish our wallets, but allowing the free market to run ultimately leads to more efficiency and better prices for your and my wallet. And for those of you who don't believe in the free market, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and let me know.
Krista. Okay, the first question is from Larry in Arizona. Clark, would you please settle an argument and bet between my wife and I? Our son is in the Air Force in Hawaii. Food and shelter are covered. He saves about 25% of his income monthly. The rest he spends, albeit not always on the wisest purchases, such as eating out a lot when his food is already covered. I say this is enough and he should use the rest to use as he pleases. My wife says it's not enough given that he could easily save more. Who is right, Clark? There is a shoulder massage on the line. So your wife is always right, except in this case. She's, uh, I respectfully disagree with her and support your position. If a young person is living his life saving 25% of his pay, that's fantastic. He's building a lifelong habit. Now, one thing I'd like for both of you to encourage your son to do is to participate in the Thrift Savings Plan, the TSP. It's available to him as a brave person who has chosen to serve our nation in the U.S. Air Force and thank him for that for me. And one of the benefits you get is you get access to the TSP. Thrift Savings Plan is an incredibly superior savings plan compared to what the rest of us have available to us. And the rules have changed for military TSPs. There's now a match for what your son puts in it. I'd want your son to go in the life cycle fund available to him through the TSP, go in the Roth version of the TSP, and that's where I want him shoving a lot of money into. And the fact that he's choosing to eat out, even though he's got free food on base, I've had a lot of free food on base. And uh, the eating out sounds like a really good idea. That's something I really enjoy is eating out. So I get it. Especially in Hawaii, the food's so good. And ridiculously expensive, except at? Oh, Costco. Costco. Same dollar fifty hot dog as is in the lower 48. I wasn't talking about hot dogs. (laughs) The fish there. Okay. Greg in Florida says, my mother-in-law moved in with us about 10 years ago and is now 90. She's still mobile with a walker and a pleasure to have in the house. We set up a joint bank account when she moved in that her social security goes into, and we transferred $300 a month for expenses out of her $1,100 in monthly income. We pretty much pay for everything else except for her life insurance policy and lifeline necklace, and she'll buy takeout a couple of nights a month. She had a bad fall last year and became 100% dependent, but we were able to get our independence back after about six months of home care, which siblings helped to cover the costs. We are considering raising the amount she pays us, but we don't know what's fair. She has no assets and just what she's been able to save up since living with us, which is now about $8,000 in the bank. Any guidance would be greatly appreciated. So first of all, how wonderful, Greg. And this is a pattern across the United States. I talked recently about what percent of American households are now multi-generational again. It's like what's old has become new again. And most care to older loved ones is being provided by younger loved ones. That's who's filling the gap is caregivers also providing financial support. I would recommend, Greg, just so there's no misunderstanding, as your mother-in-law, your wife should have a conversation with her siblings and talk through with them what is fair and you just want their buy-in you never want there to be any feeling that 
the two of you are in any way taking advantage. You two are are doing a labor of love, providing a place and care in your home or your mother-in-law at 90 years old. And the siblings, your wife's siblings should be very supportive. It's just that's a conversation she should have with them about how you're handling the Social Security money. And as long as they're aware, they should be completely supportive. And it's what people don't know, what's not communicated to them, that causes distrust later. Todd in Texas says, my wife and I are both 39 years old. We have three sons, 14, 11, and 9, and are debt-free except for our home. We max out our IRAs and my 401k every year. Wait, 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 wait. Can you stop right there for a second, please? Stopped. All right. You know, I hear from people over and over again that we would be able to save money if we didn't have young kids. Here we've got a couple that has three young kids, 14, 11, 9. Is Mm -hmm. that what you said? Yep. And they're maxing out saving for retirement? Yep. Okay. That's incredible. That's great. We have 198000 in our traditional IRAs and 460 in Roth IRAs. We've also saved 234000 in our kids' 529s and don't plan on funding them further. We want to get into real wow. estate for retirement and have heard about using a self-directed IRA to buy real estate. We'd like to do this with the cash we have in the IRAs rather than getting a mortgage if possible. What does Clark think of this approach? Should we use the money from our Roth or traditional IRAs? So I'm going to surprise you. I hate these self-directed IRAs. I can't stand them. They have very, very high costs. They're an area that's been abused by a lot of people. And so you're more subject to oversight from the IRS, potentially them disallowing what you've done. And real estate has its own embedded tremendous tax benefits. Having it as a regular taxable investment. So there's clear benefits without all the crazy rules and overhead costs of doing this with IRA money. I'd rather you build up enough money so you can make a down payment on an investment property and you own it as a personal investment rather than inside an IRA. You know, a Roth IRA already has the benefit of being tax-free money, tax-free growth, tax-free spending. You lose the tax advantage of owning real estate as an investment when you hold it inside a Roth IRA. Holding it, which most people do inside a traditional IRA, remember, every dollar you end up making in a traditional IRA is taxed at ordinary income tax rates. Real estate owned outside as an investment, not inside a retirement account, is subject to very favorable tax rules. And so you are potentially creating a tax time bomb, owning it inside a traditional IRA. So you'd never want to own it inside a Roth, and you've got lots of problems owning it inside a traditional. So I know there are pitches everywhere, everywhere, online, on social media, websites, advertising online, telling you that this is nirvana to own real estate through an IRA. And I think it stinks. Don't do it that way. Anytime I say that, oh man, there are people who get mad at me. But anyway, it's what I believe in my heart and my head or my head and my heart. 
So I want to tell you, we had a Clark Stinks recently saying that you miss me saying save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. So here it is, there it is, because that's what we're about, is you taking control of your wallet each and every day. And remember, we serve you around the clock at Clark.com.